Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. Well, hey, I'm so glad you're here. Give it up for the worship team for leading us today. Come on. They get here early. The production team gets here early every Sunday to prepare for you. I think sometimes uh, we forget about the dedication it takes to put on church. And uh, I'm just thankful for a, a house and a group of people that are dedicated to building uh, the local church. Because I do believe it's the hope of the world. And with that, you guys heard that we had the opportunity to acquire a campus in South Sacramento. Streamline Church was going through a tough time, had lost their pastor, um, were on the verge, honestly, of shutting down. And we had this connection where we were able to come in and they voted unanimously to uh come together, merge with Project Church for me to, be, to become their lead pastor, Chrissy and I. And so Chrissy's over there preaching right now for their 10 a.m. service. But I want to ask you to do something. Some of you this week, you maybe went to the interest meeting and you felt called to be a part of that campus. But what I do want to do is I want to give an ask to the whole congregation. Um, they have some financial uh commitments that they're behind on. And so I just felt like to end this month that maybe God would put on your heart, I want you to pray and think, if God would put on your heart to give something above and beyond your usual tithes and offerings, uh, to give towards the South Sacramento campus, for us to get this thing going back in the right direction, uh, to infuse it with some momentum. And how many of you know sometimes momentum uh, starts with another M money? M word, money, all right? So I just wanna ask you guys if you would consider giving on our uh Website, the Church Center app, you can actually click. There's a drop down for the Streamline or South Sacramento campus. And so would you be praying, man? Maybe God wants you to give something to end this month to help us get this thing going in the right direction. There's some things we need to do, implement, also uh, uh, bring them up to date on, on some things, some of their financial commitments. And so thank you, church. Ultimately, we believe God is gonna provide through this. We believe this is a God thing. And uh, we're just thankful for God expanding the reach of this house. And as we expand into South Sacramento, we believe God's gonna do great things. So thank you guys for praying and for giving. Uh, the second thing I wanted to just address before we jump in here is, ladies, today is the last day to get your Early bird tickets for Fashioned, all right? So Fashioned is our women's conference. It's the first week of October. I know some of you are like, that's so far away. Y'all know it's almost September, right? Um, and, and so next week, it's September. And so, hey, ladies, grab your tickets today. This is the last day for early bird. There's a table out in the lobby. You can go there or purchase them through the Church Center app. Uh, now my wife's happy with me. I did it. So hey, today I am closing out our Elephant Room series. We've been hitting on some elephants in the room, uh, a lot of hot button topics. How many of you would agree has been a bit controversial? Uh, I think maybe some of you felt a little uncomfortable at times. But today I wanted to close the series with a message titled The Gospel and Controversy. Now, I want to illustrate something to start here. Do you guys remember caricatures like when you go to Six Flags or you go to the fair and you could get a caricature drawn of yourself? Do you remember this? I think they still do it, although I don't, I don't, I've never done it, but they actually have done these of some famous people. And so I want to see how quick you are in guessing these famous caricatures. So here we go. First one, who is it? 
Yeah, yeah, okay, Snoop Dogg, you guys were on it. You were, that was easy. Okay, next, go. Will Smith, okay, getting jiggy with it. Uh, going to Miami. <laughs> uh, all right, third one. It's too easy. Barack Obama. And then my last one, go. Elvis. Okay, you guys are on it. But here's what's funny about caricatures is caricatures actually exaggerate some features while minimizing others to elicit a desired effect. And so if you noticed, Will Smith had very big ears. His ears are not that big in real life, but what do you do? You exaggerate certain features while minimizing others to elicit a desired effect. And ultimately, I think this is what many of us have done with Jesus. We want to selectively edit a picture of Jesus that is more palatable to the world and to the people around us. And so for some of us, Jesus is our mascot, but not our Lord. And we, we say we're Jesus followers, but we only present an edited version, a caricature, a caricature, a selectively edited picture of Jesus to the people around us. Why? Because we have our own agendas. But I want to challenge you that you would submit your agendas to his agenda. And there is an agenda that Jesus has. It's the Lamb's agenda. Because he is the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. Now I can illustrate this further by looking at the life of Thomas Jefferson. You guys know Thomas Jefferson. You went to history class, one of our founding fathers. But something happened in the early 1820s. Thomas Jefferson went to a bookshelf, one of his bookshelves, and he took down a copy of the King James Version Bible. And with a pair of scissors and tape and with some glue, he began to cut out certain sections of the Gospels. He began to edit the Gospels. He called it the life and morals of Jesus of Nazareth. And here's what he removed. He removed the miracles. He removed any mention of the supernatural. He removed all resurrection accounts. And he removed any sections that referred to Jesus as divine. And what he came up with is a Bible that we call the gospel, according to Thomas Jefferson, we would say. The gospel of Thomas Jefferson. Here's what Thomas Jefferson said in regards to his editing of the King James Bible, the Gospels, and the Jesus account. He said, I have performed this operation for my own use. By cutting verse by verse out of the printed book and arranging the matter which is evidently his and which is as easily distinguishable as diamonds in a dunghill, the result is an octavo of 46 pages of pure and unsophisticated doctrines. Now I know they spoke a bit different in the 1820s. But essentially what Thomas Jefferson was saying was, I have pulled out the diamonds of the rest of the dunghill of the Gospels. He called the rest of the Gospels and these miracles, this resurrection account, the divinity, he called it poop. And he said, I've pulled out the diamonds and I've given a pure, 
more sophisticated doctrine of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you would say, wow, I would never do such a thing. I would never cut up a Bible. I would never edit, it, edit the teachings of Jesus. And yet, if we were honest, there are times we do just that in our belief systems, in our faith, in what we present of Jesus to the world. Here's what Tim Keller said. If your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. Anne Lamott said, you can safely assume that you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people that you do. I want these to, to resonate in our spirits and our souls for a moment. Because ultimately, I think all of us are guilty, including me, of making God in our own image. Of accepting the parts of this that, that we like, agree with, that we consider palatable, and writing off or discarding those which we don't agree with. I've even said it at times from this pulpit, like, I don't like this part of Scripture. And I'm here to tell you, it's okay if you don't like it. But ultimately, if you're going to follow Jesus, you still must accept it. And this is what we've said as a church, that this is the infallible, inerrant word of God in which we form our worldview. That everything from this is, is profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for correction for you and I today. Though this was written thousands of years ago, it applies just as much today in 2023 as it did back then. And so I want to ask you a question today. I want to ask you, which Jesus are you following? Are you following the characterized, a caricature version of Jesus that enhances certain aspects, enhances uh, certain attributes while minimizing others because we want it to be more palatable to the people around us? I love that the Bible tells us, and Jesus actually said it, he said, blessed are you who are not offended by me. And the reality is scripture also tells us that the gospel is an offense for the unbeliever. And that's why today I came in here to tell you something, that if you live in line with God's word, you will have controversy. If you live according to the truth of God's word and you live a life that's dedicated in obedience in terms of your worldview and how you act and live, you will have controversy. And ultimately, our culture is not silent on these issues. So it is unwise for me as your pastor to be silent on these issues. And, and this series was not fun for me. I just want to let you know. Like, some of y'all like controversy. Like, you enjoy it. You love debates and uh, arguments, and, and, and you want controversy in your life. I am not one of those people. In fact, I am motivated by social acceptance. I want everyone to like me. Nay, love me. 
I want people to accept me. I want people to, to think highly of me. And so coming into this series, I, I wrestled week after week with these topics as I'm just sweating and I'm filled with anxiety and fear. Why? Because these are topics that I knew would be controversial. And yet I knew the world is talking about it. How could I, as the pastor of this house, be afraid to talk about it? And so it's okay that we feel fear. It's not about not having fear. It's about overcoming fear and living truth. My job is to declare the whole counsel of God's word. When it's in season and when it's out of season. And much of what I've addressed in this series has been out of season as it relates to this culture. And yet we are not conformed to the pattern of this world. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds and we renew our minds through the word of God. Amen. And so today I have a goal. I have a main goal. And here's what I want to do with you today in this place. I want to teach you how to be controversial the Jesus way. That's my main goal today. How can we be controversial the Jesus way? And, and, and I want to ask that God would teach me and you in the same way. So Jesus, we need you. We know that in this world, we will have trials, troubles, tribulations. We know that if we live according to your word, we will have controversy. But we want to be controversial your way. We want to be controversial with your heart. So Jesus, instill to us, impart to us how to live out the controversy of this day in a way that honors and glorifies you in your name. Help me to share this in a way that, that we would be able to receive it and grow through it in your name. Amen. Can I just tell you, following Jesus in our culture is more and more controversial. Here's what's happened. There's been a shift in perspective towards Christians. Like if we're going back to the, the, the 50s, 60s, Christianity was normal. It was normal in our culture. It was normal in our world. It was accepted in America. If you're a Christian, you're normal. And then in like the 80s, 90s, y'all remember DC Talk and the Jesus Freaks. Uh, when that went down, all of a sudden Christianity went from normal to weird. Like, we're still tolerated and accepted, but Christians are weird, man. They're just weird. They're those Jesus freaks. But then something happened, I would say, over the last 10 to 20 years, where Christians now are considered dangerous. Our perspectives are aligning fully with God's word. The, the morality that we carry according to a biblical worldview, can I tell you now, it's dangerous. And if you think that we've experienced persecution to this day, you have not experienced anything yet. And I think the only thing that's coming, to be honest, for us as Christians is more persecution. But I'm excited about it because as we become more and more controversial and further and further from the world, the line in the sand is being drawn. And what happens is every time there's persecution, the church of Jesus Christ grows. It thrives. It, it goes beyond. And so I'm not afraid. I'm actually excited. 
but I also want to give you tools in how do we live controversial in a world where Christianity is deemed more and more dangerous. So there is this perspective that has taken over in our culture in the last uh, 10 to 20 years, which is expressive individualism. Expressive individualism is led by two main tenets. The first is self-fulfillment, and the second is self-expression. And any external constraint, if you put any constraints on my self-fulfillment or my self-expression, if it's towards self, it's considered repressive. And if it's toward anyone else, it's considered oppressive. I can illustrate this for you. There is an argument right now in culture politically that we cannot legislate morality. Have you heard this? You've heard this as it relates to politics? Like you cannot legislate morality. Don't legislate morality. Now, this has been the driving push for why certain perspectives shouldn't be uh, put into law or to practice. It was a big part of the Roe v. Wade and that overturning and why that was so contentious. But here's the problem with that argument. Don't legislate morality. Every law is based on morality. The argument is don't legislate morality, but the reality is morality is always legislated. It's just whose morality is being legislated. And so as Christians, it's why we do need to fight and stand up for what we believe is God's word and God's law and God's rule and argue for that morality. Why? Because we are advocating for and someone is advocating for some type of morality, but whose morality will it be? And I think that often what's happened is Christians have just pulled back and I can illustrate this for you with a recent presidential candidate. This presidential candidate was asked what his perspective was on abortion. Now, I want to just say, originally I had planned on doing a message in this, in this elephant room on uh, abortion life. Uh, but I ultimately just did that a few months back when Roe v. Wade broke and then we were in the Genesis series and actually hit perfectly. And so I'm going to actually send it out in the weekly newsletter um, so that you guys could go back and watch it because I didn't feel, I felt like today God wanted me to do something different. But I do want you to know that we believe in a whole life perspective as a church, from the womb to the tomb. We advocate for life. I just want to be clear on that. Uh, now I understand the nuances of it and you can go back and listen to this whole message on it. But what happened a few years back is this presidential candidate was asked, what is your perspective on abortion? And he responded in this way. He said, as a Catholic, I am opposed to abortion. So you guys understand that Catholics oppose abortion. In fact, they don't even believe in contraception, which we're good with that. I'd have way more kids <laughs> if we didn't believe in contraception. But that wasn't supposed to be that funny. <laughs> he said, personally... As a Catholic, I'm opposed to abortion. But publicly, I believe in a woman's right to choose. So what do we call this? And this is the norm of our day. It's what all of you are wrestling with. We call this the privatization of faith. 
where personally my faith says this, but publicly, uh, I, you know, do whatever you want. Now, ultimately, we don't control people, nor does God. It's like the biggest argument from, from people or, or atheists or agnostics is like, why would a loving God allow bad things to happen? Well, unless he created us all to be robots, bad things will happen. He gave us free will. It's a pretty easy answer to that question. People are broken. God gave us free will. We hurt other people. If God stopped all bad things from happening, we would have no more free will. Easiest question to answer, but anyways, I digress. The privatization of faith is what you're wrestling with. It's what I'm wrestling with. And my challenge to us is that we would not live what this candidate is living, which is morally and personally, this is what I believe is right, but publicly, I'm not going to make a stance. And so I think that in this gospel and controversy and living uh, controversy the Jesus way, we must not privatize our faith. No, I understand that in certain settings and depending on your job, you cannot always vocalize certain perspectives in every setting. But that doesn't mean that you don't hesitate speaking truth when it's allowed. Here's the problem, though. And this is where I think Christians get it wrong. For a long time, we separated good and evil with the horizontal line. So good was above, evil was below. Heaven is above, evil's below. Good and evil. There was a horizontal dividing line. But what we've done now is we've turned the line vertical. And we have actually said it's us versus them. It's right versus left. It's the wrong perspective versus the right perspective. And we've actually demonized the very people that God has called us to reach. And so here's my challenge in living controversial the Jesus way. Is we fight against the spirits that are influencing those in the wrong way. But we love the people who are far from God because his will is that none of them should perish. The problem in the church is we've turned them into, their en into our enemies. And so we're fighting them instead of the spirits influencing them. And, and, and we demonize them instead of acknowledging the demons that are, that are lying to them. Jesus left the 99 to go for the one. And so while there are wrong perspectives, and I'm going to stand against that. And while there are wrong uh, uh, ideologies, I'm going to stand against that. We are never against people. Because Jesus was for all people. And he called all people higher. So we must learn to, to, to not turn that line of division and see them for who they are. Which are God's children made in his image that he longs to save. But this increasing perspective right now is that Christians are dangerous, oppressive, and ignorant. 
This is the increasing perspective towards us. So here's why I'm telling you, I'm encouraging you to love, that's the Jesus way, that we don't attack the people but the spirits, but we have to embrace the reality that you, if you live according to God's word, if you live according to his truth, the perspective is only gonna grow that we are dangerous, oppressive, and ignorant. And some of you are surprised by this. But I want to just tell you what Jesus said, what the Gospels say, what the Scriptures say. 1 John 3.13 says, Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. So can I just encourage you today? Don't be surprised when the world hates you. Don't be surprised when how you live is controversial to the people around you. I read it. In Luke 12, 51 and 53, that Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace on earth. No, rather division. For now, in one house, there'll be five divided against three against two, two against three. They'll be divided, father against son, son against father, mother and daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, Jesus said at first, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, if you live according to my word, if you live uh, the Jesus way, there will be very family members in your house that will push you away. There will be family members close to you that have to isolate themselves from you. Do not be surprised. The Jesus way is a controversial way. James 4.4 4 says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Here's my challenge, because you're like me. Some of you, you want to be liked by everyone. You crave social acceptance. I'm just telling you, this is me. I struggle with it. We have to choose. Are we going to be a friend of the world or a friend with God? Because if we choose to be a friend of the world, it says we actually have enmity. We become an enemy of God. And if I had to choose between God and the world, who's going to be my enemy? I know who I'm choosing. I know who I want opposing me. We must not be surprised and we must expect controversy. Can I tell you if there is no controversy in your life, which parts of Jesus have you clipped out? I want you to ask yourself this. Like Thomas Jefferson, if there's no controversy, which parts of him have you clipped out of your Bible? Following Jesus always leads to controversy. But hear me this. Not all controversy is the result of following Jesus. Let me just flip it on you for a moment. Some Christians commit controversy in the name of Jesus, even though it's nothing like Jesus. So let me just give a little disclaimer here, because some of y'all like controversy a little too much. And you're going to create it in the name of Jesus, and it's got nothing to do with Jesus. So check yourself before you wreck yourself, and make sure that the controversy in your life is because it's in line with the Jesus of the Word of God. 
John 1, 11 through 14 says, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Even Jesus had those close to him leave him. Jesus, the son of God, if the keys would come back, he had one of his 12 betray him. So sometimes we think good leadership is being able to keep everybody in our ranks and making sure everyone's in unity. And while we fight for unity in the church, ultimately, if we continue to be committed to the word of God, there are people that will leave and will leave us and they may even be close to us and we cannot be surprised because this is what the controversial Jesus himself experienced. I would say Jesus was the best leader to ever walk the earth. And yet one of the 12 people closest to him betrayed him. Why? Because there are people around us who even have heard the truth, that know the truth, that will choose friendship with the world. So which Jesus are you following? You know, I, I, I want to kind of wrap this up with verse 14 here. I just read to you John 1, 11 through 14, but then 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of, say it. Again. Again. I even underlined it for you. Here's what I found. We're controversial. If you follow Jesus, you're going to be controversial. But you know what I see in the church? We got grace people and we got truth people. And you grace people, man, you just love. You want everyone to accept you and you want to always see yourself as welcoming. And, and you're just like, grace, 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 grace. And I'm, I'm that. I'm on the grace side. That's me. My whole life. Grace, grace, grace. In fact, even with our staff, it's like, I'm the good cop. Chrissy's the bad cop. <laughs> Mom's a little more of the disciplinarian and with our staff. I'm like, grace, 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 grace. My wife is morals driven. She's one of those truth people. Truth, 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 truth. I see you truth people. You're like, just tell them the truth. They need to know the truth. Put them in their place. Keep them in check. Keep them in line. So we have in the church, we have grace people and we have truth people. And I've always seen it, it's like a rubber band. And one side is grace and the other side is truth. But you know what happens when you go only one way or the other way? People get hurt. If I'm all grace, if I'm all truth, that's the tension that we find in being a Jesus follower, of being someone that embraces the reality of if I live my life according to the gospel, 
it will be controversial. And so the tension that we must create is that we have just the right amount of grace and truth always. And sometimes we get a little more this way and then we gotta go a little more that way. And we keep the tension of grace and truth to the best of our ability. We won't be perfect. But that if there is grace and truth, this is tension, isn't it? I mean, look at this. If we pull too hard one way or the other, it might just snap. But if we continue to pull both the tension of grace and truth, we can have this perfect balance that serves people well and loves people well. That we would have unconditional grace with uncompromising truth that we would be a church we would be a people that embody both you see it's the truth of Jesus that sets us free but it's the grace of Jesus that invited us in in the first place we need grace and truth, the truth of Jesus and the grace of Jesus. So what Jesus are you following? Because you know the Jesus I follow was a Jesus with spit on his face who was mocked and beaten and, and, and made fun of and brutalized and crucified and yet with it all, he waded into the mess of humanity. And he waded into it with curiosity, with compassion, and with love. May we be the same. You know, the last several weeks, it started really quiet when I started this series. I didn't hear anything the first week. And then all of a sudden, started having this person talk to me and this person talk to me. Before you knew it, I was talking to people who identified as gay in our church. I was having a conversation with a guy I played flag football with a few years back who now is identifying as a woman. And I'm walking through these conversations going, God, help me to do it with grace and truth. Help me to have these conversations with grace and truth. You see, ultimately this message is about what you do when you leave these doors. But can I just challenge you? Because a lot of you are just thinking right now about like, oh yeah, I need to tell this person that or I need to love this person this way. But can I just tell you, there is a spirit of compromise that has infiltrated the church of Jesus Christ. You see, maybe the truth that I'm speaking of is one that you need to just embrace for yourself and stop playing around with that sin you've been playing around with for far too long because God's called you to more than that. Yes, there is uncompromising truth that you need to embrace today, but I want to let you know there's also unconventional grace that Jesus bestows upon you. But today, somebody in this place, maybe it's not just about them out there. It might be about you in here. And you know there's something you need to change in your life. You see, as I spent the last several weeks having these conversations, I begin to form and create what I believe the controversial Jesus looks like. 
what I believe we should look like living controversial in this day. Here's what I believe we should look like and the controversial Jesus looks like. It's understanding in a culture of offense. It's reconciliation in a culture of outrage. It's nuance in a culture of polarization. It's humanity in a culture of issues. It's denial in a culture of fulfillment. It's listening in a culture of accusation. It's holiness in a culture of licentiousness. It's faith in a culture of secularism. It's hope in a culture of fear. And it's love in a culture of hate. And so today, as I end this series, may we be a church that embraces the controversy that it is to live as those dedicated to the gospel, but may we do it with grace and truth. Uncompromising truth and unconventional grace. I believe that is the controversial Jesus that we serve. And so with head bowed, heads bowed and eyes closed across this room, you're here in this place and you say, Caleb, to be honest, I don't know how to live grace and truth because I haven't embraced Jesus as my truth. Maybe you've been running from the Savior of the world. Maybe you've been running from the Savior who died for you. You've been running from Jesus. You try to do it in your strength your way and today you want to come back in a right relationship with him or you want to give your life to him for the first time if that's you would you just slip your hand up right now just go shoot it up if that's you you need to give your life to Jesus for the first time rededicate yourself yes yes one two three yes I see that hand. four I see that hand anyone else put it up thank you you can put them down I see that hand thank you would you pray this with me church everybody in here just repeat this after me say Jesus today I embrace you as my savior. I ask for forgiveness of my sin, my brokenness, my failure. I acknowledge that you are the way, that you are the truth, and you are the life, and I want to come to you. So today, come into my life. I love you. I commit myself to you in your name. Amen. Amen. Here's what I want to do. We left some time here at the end purposefully. I wanted to give you an opportunity right now. As they sing this song, I want you to stay seated. I want you with eyes closed. I want you to begin to look introspectively at your life. And I want you to begin to assess, take inventory. Where am I lacking, Jesus? I've been all grace, but I haven't carried the truth. Or maybe you've been so committed to the truth that you've forgotten what grace looks like in this world for people. So I want us in this moment as we sing, I want you to begin to just look and talk to the Lord. And I want you to ask him to, to create the perfect tension within you to center you in the midst of controversy that you would be grace and truth. You would carry grace and truth. Come on, let's sing. I want you to begin to look in, in, inwardly at yourself, at your heart. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. 
We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.